Welcome to Life Science Today, your source for stories, insights, and trends across the life science industry. I'm your host, Dr. Noah Goodson. This week, big compensation, mild mergers, a kite in an updraft, and tightening the biotech belt. expressed on Life Science Today are those of the host and guests. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any organizations with which they are affiliated. One of the more notable biotech startups last year was the super PAC superstar Gingo Bioworks, who came out with a $15 billion valuation and ambitions that few would describe as moderate. Last year, they were hard at work deploying that capital across a range of programs and even pulling in a $1.1 billion loan from the U.S. government to focus on COVID-related products. They're working across a massive pipeline to scale the way products can be manufactured. This is basically the platform approach to cellular engineering. Now, based on my understanding of biology, I suspect none of this is as perfectly automated as a website might suggest yet. But that doesn't mean they don't have a chance to drive forward really efficient biology for a big investor payoff. And speaking of investors, they just can't stay out of the spotlight, earning big names like Bill Gates and raising $1.6 billion through their SPAC. But then getting into a kerfuffle with some folks trying to short their stocks and having some less than ideal press about the financial underpinnings of some of their associated organizations. Now, they've decided to be totally low-key by giving some of the largest compensation payouts ever received in biotech. Last year, the CEO and COO both received more than $364 million, each in compensation packages. Now, if a third of a billion dollars, mostly in stock, can be called fair, there was a decade of work that went into getting Ginkgo to where it is today, so maybe some reasonable payoff was earned. And here's the thing. There are some indicators that Ginkgo could deliver on their promises to make a massive difference in bioengineering at scale. And if that happens, this will all fade to a historical fact about some dudes who made a lot of money one time. But if they fail to deliver, you can bet some questions will be asked. Two smaller pharmaceutical companies are headed for a merger. Eagle Pharmaceuticals has announced the acquisition of Acacia Pharma Group in a deal just shy of $125 million, including $94 million in cash and the remainder in Eagle stock. Acacia has two approved offerings, Barhemsis for post-operative vomiting and Bifavo for brief sedations for procedures. Both fall into a category of small, hospital-specific offerings that complement the rest of Eagle's portfolio, allowing them to more effectively leverage commercial sales and delivery through their existing networks. Last year, Eagle saw their total revenue decrease and realized a modest $8.6 million loss. But this acquisition, along with other positive pipeline news, positions them to gain some altitude in 2022. This appears to be a case of purchasing for the assets. I expect most of Acacia staff will be quickly integrated or dispersed as Eagle takes these products through their commercial rollout with the goal of profit around their therapeutic cluster by 2024. Kite, owned by Gilead, has earned an important expanded approval for their CAR-T therapy Yescarda as a second-line treatment for large B-cell lymphoma. This is the first significant approval for this indication in some time, 
and comes on the back of a study showing a 2.5x increase in patients who are alive with no cancer progress after two years. Yaskarta drove an 83% overall response rate and a 63% complete response rate. This means the therapy worked for most people and completely for two out of three people. Both of these numbers are nearly twice as good as the existing chemotherapy standard of care. For Gilead, this is another win through their kite acquisition. Large B-cell lymphoma is the most prevalent non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in the United States, with 18,000 new cases annually, and 30-40% to of those may be eligible for Yaskarta under the approval. CAR-T retains significant trade-offs, with therapy running much shorter and more successfully than typical chemo, but with dangerous, serious adverse events, including neurological issues as possible side effects at a cost of roughly $373,000 per treatment and a relatively large population in the improved indication, this also represents an economically meaningful expanded FDA approval for Gilead. In rich economic times, biotechs are able to bloat out pipelines to explore. There can absolutely be waste in the mix, More often than not, it's an attempt to get as many irons in the fire as possible. It's exceedingly difficult to determine which promising potential therapeutic approach might blossom, and these diversified efforts can be really helpful in mitigating that risk. But when funding in the future begins to look a bit more sparse, the belts get cinched up and pipelines also tighten. In this current market, we're seeing a spat of workforces getting trimmed. While this may be an economically sound model, it also sucks for those caught in the cut, who have often dedicated enormous effort to building a new institution. In my experience, it's rarely clear when you should cut your losses on a failure and when a great idea just gets lost to the economics of risk. This week, we highlight three companies facing challenging decisions to trim. First, last Monday, Taisha announced a cut of 35% of its workforce. Tasha has faced major challenges as a public company, with stocks falling from the mid-20s last summer to just around $6 a share when they revealed quarterly results. Their pipeline had become quite expansive, with nearly 30 research programs listed across multiple indications, therapeutic areas, and at least four distinct therapeutic approaches, all in the challenging gene therapy market. Along with the staff trims, they are focusing in on more niche therapeutic areas for their most promising therapies in GAN and Rett syndrome. The hope is that this extends their cash runway long enough for positive results to lead to additional funding. The updated strategy pushes them to the mid-2023s on current stockpiles. Orchard Therapeutics announced last Wednesday a similar 30% cut of the workforce. With their stocks down 90% since this time last year, they're in no place to raise much capital. They have one approval in the EU, but it's for a rare lipid-based neurological disorder and unlikely to fund their entire pipeline. They've opted to focus exclusively on the successful platform in other neurological disorders. The language of their announcement suggests to me that they're looking for commercial development partners. To gain traction here, Orchard may need some compelling data on a more commercially promising target. Their cash now runs to 2024. In March of 2021, Silverback BioShares sat at just over $60 a share. Today, they closed at $3.24. Last Friday, they announced the closing of all oncology programs and the cut of 27% of their workforce. In clinical efforts last year, they found that their two early-phase oncology candidates 
SBT6050 and SBT6290 basically didn't work that great. This is disappointing for Silverback, who will refocus on their existing portfolio with cash out to 2026. But I want to remind folks that through all the capital and funding and business cycles, this is why we do clinical trials. Because sometimes a great idea just doesn't work the way we hoped it would. So we stop and we try something else. That's called science. Thanks for joining me for Life Science Today, your source for stories, insights, and trends across the life science industry. Learn more at lifesciencetodaypodcast.com. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend. Once again, I'm Dr. Noah Goodson. I'll see you next week.